Hi, I'm Dr. Allison Matthews, Executive Director of the Faith Coordinating Center at Wake Forest University. I'm here with my two guests, and I'm going to allow you all to introduce yourselves. Go ahead. I'm Nathan Scovins, pastor of the Galilee Missionary Baptist Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and I'm glad to be here with you today. Thank you. I'm Leah McNair. I'm the founder of the Sister Circle International. Uh, we're based in High Point, North Carolina, and I'm glad to be here today. Awesome. So I'm going to start off with a really easy question. Thank you. <laughs> what does faith against stigma mean to you? Well, honestly, um, it's personal. I lived the stigma uh, for many years, and it was my faith that helped me to get through the stigma, the shame, the hurt, but it's also my my faith that caused me to struggle with the stigma uh, because my mother had um, HIV, uh, eventually died from AIDS. And so I lived in the shadows, uh, hiding behind a lie and not really letting people know what really happened. So it's a personal story for me. Thank you for sharing that. I know that takes a lot of bravery. Yes. And it's really important for people to hear that truth. Yes. What about you? That was a powerful story. Yes. And um, it, my, my idea of it is wrapped in one word, embracing. Embracing people, um, seeing people beyond what you see. My dad always says, if all you see is what you see, then you're not seeing all that needs to be seen. Right. So I love to uh, make that my mantra to see people beyond what I know about them, what I think about them, um, embracing and just changing the paradigm, changing the mold of what uh, we do as believers and how we isolate people based on how they, what they're dealing with makes us uncomfortable. So embracing everybody, loving everyone um, and making it a daily action, a daily decision. Yeah. So how does, how does HIV and faith intersect with your work? Again, for me, it was a very personal journey, uh, and I don't want to dominate the conversation with my own personal testimony, but for me, it was a dark place. Um, my mother was in the church, deeply involved in ministry, uh, a beautiful woman, a lively soul. Uh, I was a young preacher coming up. So church and ministry was all I knew. So having to deal with the fact that my mother now uh, had HIV was hard. So it was, it was a very dark place. And I had to suppress a lot. Uh, I lived in anger uh, for a long time with God because I didn't understand and so it was a very difficult place for me and uh, a tough journey. But I'm much better now uh, to a place where I can even talk about it openly and freely. And so that's the space that I live in now as opposed to yesterday. 
Your story reminds me a lot of so many people's story. You know, a lot of family members have impact, have been touched by HIV and have lived in silence. Um, I think about my own family and, and how we had a fam, we have several family members who've died from complications with AIDS and we haven't talked about them, you know, to the point where memories are getting lost and one of my cousins, we don't know where he's buried or if he's buried, right? And so- Not only silence, but shame. The shame, right? Yeah. And so one thing that, you know, we at the Faith Coordinating Center are working to do is co- collaborate with the National AIDS Memorial Quilt because they are starting a new initiative called Call My Name. Yes. Where they're trying to add more African-American names to the quilt. Yes. And really, it was a cathartic process for my family to add um, Howard J. Kirkland to the quilt as a way for us to say goodbye and to honor him as our ancestor. So I hope that that may be in a way for you to also and yes. others, other family members to honor their ancestors. Well, we're going to add my mother's name, yeah. Jerry Ann Jones yeah. Dupree. We'll add her name to that quilt as well. Yes. Wow. I think that um, as we talk about family, you know, all of our families have that common thread there of silence and um, sweeping things under the rug, those difficult conversations. Um, And I can think about even my grandmothers and their mothers and how certain issues like HIV um, that touched our family were never spoken of. Um, and it makes me want to even more break that cycle for the generation coming after me. Definitely. For my sons, I have um, two tw- I have twins, seven years old, and they're so smart and they want to know a little bit of everything. And, you know, back in our day, you want to know too much, you know, you need to sit down and be quiet somewhere, you know, they- this is adult conversation, <laughs> but but changing that um, changing that cycle and being willing to have those tough conversations with my sons, so that one day they can have tough conversations with their sons. You know, I, I really believe that that is how it's affecting my life. It's making me want to change. You know, making me want to start that change with myself. I love that. I think that's a great example for a lot of families. You know, to just start talking about it early and make it a normal part of conversation. You know, we think of it as a tough conversation, but yeah. really it could be a normal part of our conversation. Right. Yeah. So, well, oh, well, on. for me, it was tough because my mother um, was dealing with HIV at a time where it was fresh, it was new. Right. There was no education or information about it. And so the only thing out there is that it was a disease uh, for those who were homosexuals, Mm -hmm. uh, which that wasn't the case for my mother. She got it from her husband and she had been having uh, relationships outside of the marriage. So there were a number of factors that caused the shame and the hurt and the pain because certainly you don't want to deal with that in the church. Right. And then on top of that, um, 
it just wasn't respectable to die in that manner. Uh, and so as a family, we chose to say she died from cancer mm -hmm. as if that was a healing bomb, yeah. uh, only to discover that that's just as painful. So there were a lot of things that, that, that we went through. And we also went through the, the notion of, of suppressing it because mental health at that time is not also a conversation that you just didn't have. So it, there are layers to this and I could probably talk about this all day long, Yeah. Uh, but I'm glad I'm able to talk about it because I'm at a place of healing. So my goal in being here today is to help someone who may have struggled just like uh, I did. So. Uh, you're going to make me cry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so what would you, what advice would you give to your congregation or people of faith in wanting to have conversations with their faith leaders about HIV? I would, um, <clears throat> I would advise them to just open up and do it. You know, uh, it's been so difficult down through the years, especially for black women. Okay. Because we have this, um, we have pressure. I, I can't wear it any other way. There's pressure on us, um, to, to meet certain standards. And I just feel like we, uh, we can't be ourselves. We can't, um, share our truth because we don't want to be rejected. Um, and we're already, you know, the top number of people that are dealing with this disease. And there's so many other things that we deal with as black women. Um, and we'd rather just hold it in than really share what we're dealing with because we don't want anyone to really know. And we're not sure how people are going to react to us. But in the sister circle, it has taught me, if it has taught me anything, it has taught me that there's freedom in, in your voice and just sharing um, what you're going through, um, that you need help, um, asking for help. There's help out there, but we just afraid to ask for it. Um, and that begins with a few bold women, one or two at a time to say, this is what I'm dealing with. Somebody need to help me, right? <laughs> help me, you know? And uh, that's the beginning of breaking the cycle for the next generation. That's what's important to me, that next generation Absolutely. seeing our example. So what, why is the bridge between faith and health so important? Um, I'm struggling to answer because I don't want to cry either. <laughs> uh, but. And if you need to, go ahead and let it out. But my, my faith, as I stated earlier, it was a struggle for me because I was a man of faith, uh, preaching about faith, but I struggled because I had to, I thought I had to hide in the shadows uh, because it was a lonely journey uh, and being angry with God, but I didn't realize that I could be angry with God and still love God at the same time. So um, your faith 
according to my mother, she said, faith keeps the one who keeps the faith. Wow. And that's what I've learned to do. And so your faith can, can challenge you. Your faith can strengthen you. Uh, your faith will show up in the weakest moments. So uh, it is important that in all of this that you hold on to your faith. And that's all I knew. Um, I didn't know to go get help. Didn't know to sit down and talk with someone. Uh, I have a have a spot on the back of my head um, that's a reminder of of what I went through. And when you look up the definition of stigma, part of that means scar. Yes. And so I bear this scar because I almost had a nervous breakdown just dealing with the trauma and the hurt of, of going through that. Um, my mother died in 1996. Mm. So from 1996 up until maybe about five years ago, I was struggling with why she died, how she died. And I'm at a place now where I can talk about it. Uh, Sunday, I didn't realize it, but I preached at a church a block from the house where she lived. Wow. And so I said to God, you have a funny sense of humor. <laughs> but when I pulled away from the church, I made that left from Eager Street, went up to Chase Street and looked to the right and there was the house uh, that she was in. And so when you talk about faith, it has come full circle for me. And you know, you don't have to go through this alone. Um, but even when you feel alone, it is your faith that gets you through. So uh, there's so many stories I could tell. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, my mother lost her sight. Mm -hmm. So there was a time where I could see her, but she couldn't see me. So for me, that was rough. Knowing that she couldn't look into my eyes. Wow. But she was still such a, a gift and, and strength to me that that it just blessed me in such a way I will never forget. There was a blizzard in 1997, I believe. Um, 90, 94, 95, somewhere in there. And I left my necktie and I couldn't find it. It was just precious to me because she had given it to me. Uh, after she died, I returned home and in her purse as I was going through her things was that necktie. So although she couldn't see, she could still feel and she was still. So we cannot dehumanize mm -hmm. people because it's an illness, it's a sickness, it's a disease. They may have the disease, but the disease doesn't have to have them. Right. And and that's, that's the beautiful story of, of it all. Our faith will lead us through. Faith. Oh, lead us through. Yes. And um, 
pastors, just pastors' tears. Um, they minister even to me in this moment, just knowing that um, our tears have a story behind them. And um, our tears are prayers without words in the way. You know, Jesus, he, he reads our tears. And I think that the passion behind moments like that is why this movement is so important. Yes. Um, and that we are the change. We are a solution um, to a problem that's in the earth at this moment. And so I believe that um, God is all through this and it's okay not to be okay. Right. But we're serving our way through and I believe there's healing in that. And I understand that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Serving your way through it. Right. Um, and and the, the danger, because faith, you know, and stigma, they're so connected. Uh, but the danger is using faith, however, as a crutch and I became engrossed and engulfed in doing ministry work rather than realizing that I needed to take time to heal so that I could be more effective in the work. But I'm older now, I'm a little bit wiser and I recognize that in moments like this, uh, I'm able to be okay with not being okay. So, and that really is the beauty of of this movement, right? Is that we're acknowledging that faith is for the people who need to be healed and who need to heal, rather than it just being about people who are quote unquote perfect, right? Right. So I want I I hate to wrap this up because it was <laughs> it's such a good yeah. discussion. Yeah. But I I do want to um, allow the people to know how they can find you on online and and physically yeah. uh so well pastor leah is everywhere oh wait a minute she, now pastor. She's, she's international international <laughs> come on that's him that's pastor but you can find us at www.thesistercircleinc.org and that'll take you everywhere else where we are that'll take you everywhere else so send a blessing to be thank you and you can find me at the Galilee Missionary Baptist Church or go to GalileeMissionaryBaptist.org or GlobalGalilee.org and you'll find us there. Thank you all so much for the opportunity to share. And uh, I appreciate you helping me with my healing process. Thank you. And until next time, we're going to keep doing the work. Faith Against Stigma. Faith Against Stigma.